0: You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Amen. If you have your copy of God's Word or your Bible app, will you grab that and go with me to John's Gospel, John chapter 20. And if you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible this morning. On those tables in the back of the room, you'll find stacks of black Bibles. You can grab one now. You can grab one on your way out of worship today. That's our gift to you. And if you don't know your way around the Bible all that well, no worries. The passage we're going to study together today will be on the screen so you can follow along with us. If you're willing and able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for His people. So listen carefully to these words in John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We have been working our way on Sunday mornings through John's letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But today we're going to pivot to John's Gospel. So you can think of this as a bonus episode in our Rest Assured series. Here at the end of John's Gospel, we find the very heart of Christianity. The central claim of Christianity is this. Jesus of Nazareth was crucified in our place for our sins, and then He was raised from the dead, thereby demonstrating that He is God in the flesh, the Lord of all creation, and all who believe in Him will have life. A new way of being human. A whole new category of existence that begins now And extends forever. Here in John chapter 20, Jesus will appear to three audiences. The risen Jesus. There's something in this chapter for you, whoever you are. Whether you would identify yourself as a skeptic or as a believer. As someone who is curious or as someone who is convinced wherever you are on that spectrum of belief, I have the suspicion that you are here today for a reason. I want us to look at these three appearances of the risen Jesus. But first we need to set the scene. It's early on Easter Sunday morning, the very first Easter and it's very early. It's still dark out. A woman named Mary Magdalene is approaching the tomb, the place where Jesus had been buried. Mary was a follower of Jesus. Jesus had rescued her from a terrible past. She loved Jesus. She goes to the tomb now because she thinks that there at the tomb she will feel the presence of her Lord. You see, there's something mysterious about a grave, isn't there? It's so incredibly silent and yet somehow it speaks to us. You've noticed this yourself. It's why you sometimes visit the graves of your loved ones. Mary goes to the tomb thinking that there she will Feel the presence of her Lord. But as she approaches the tomb, she realizes that this tomb has more than the usual mystery to it. She notices that the stone, the ceiling stone, has been rolled away. Now this is not a good sign. It's not a good sign at all. Ceiling stones were used in the ancient world because grave robbery was common. Mary sees the stone rolled away, and immediately she concludes that someone, a robber, a thief, a thief has come in the middle of the night and stolen Jesus' body. So she runs back to town. Now maybe on her way back into town she's thinking, Did I really see what I, what I thought I saw? I mean, it is very early in the morning after all. Mary had not even had her morning pour over yet. She likes her coffee strong enough to wake the neighbor's. So maybe she's kind of doubting herself for a moment. Did I I really see that? And yet she goes and she finds two of the leading disciples, Peter and John. The very John who wrote this gospel that we're studying today. And she says, they have taken Jesus. They, meaning the grave robbers. In hearing this, Peter and John race to the tomb. John arrives first. He's a crossfitter, you see. Peter, he only did Orange Theory, so he was fit, but he wasn't crossfit. So John beats him to the tomb, and he looks into the tomb, and you know what he sees? He sees the linen cloth. Now, this makes no sense at all. No sense whatsoever. Why would grave robbers take the body of Jesus and yet leave the linen cloth the most expensive item? Peter then looks and he sees the linen cloths and the face cloth. And what's even more strange, they must have thought, is that it looks like these linen cloths and the face cloth are undisturbed. They're lying right where they should be if the body were here. It's as if... But no, it can't be. It's as if Jesus' body has somehow disappeared. As if it rose through the grave cloths. Now in his gospel, John tells us that here he believes. He knows. But he says nothing. And the disciples then return to their home. Mary, on the other hand, comes back to the tomb. And she is the first Person to whom the risen Jesus appears. Look at what happens. Jesus and Mary. Picking up the story in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. At the tomb, Mary is weeping. She's weeping because she loved Jesus. Jesus had rescued her from a dark past. And now Jesus is gone. Even his body is gone She's lost that small comfort of being able to sit in the presence of our deceased loved one. So she's weeping. She's heartbroken. But as she looks into the tomb, she sees, surprisingly, two angels. And these angels say to her, rather matter-of-factly, Woman, why are you weeping? And Mary says, Well, I'm, I'm weeping because they've taken my Lord. The grave robbers have come. They've taken Jesus. I'll never see him again. And that's when something surprising happens. As Mary says this, somehow, from somewhere, the risen Jesus appears. Right behind her. It's as if Jesus steps through a portal from another dimension or something. It's as if he's been there all along, close at hand, but Mary couldn't see him. Now she sees him, but she doesn't yet recognize him. Now this too is strange. Why doesn't Mary recognize her Lord? Is it because her eyes were blurry, so full of tears? Is it because Jesus' resurrection form is different from his pre-resurrection form? Jesus repeats the question, Why are you weeping? Woman, why are you weeping? And then he adds, For whom are you searching? Who are you looking for, Mary? Now here we find one of the most comical details of the entire narrative. John tells us that Mary supposes that Jesus is the gardener. (laughs) So here she is in the presence of God in the flesh, the risen Jesus, and she thinks he's the gardener, the yard boy. Who else would be at the tomb this early in the morning before they've even had their morning coffee? But you know what? On the one hand, that sounds strange. On the other hand, Mary's exactly right. This is God the gardener. Jesus is cultivating, creating something new, a new way of being human, a whole new category of existence. He speaks again to Mary, and this time he uses her name, Mary. And at the sound of her name now, Mary knows exactly who this is. She knows it's Jesus. She runs to him, she clings to him, falls at his feet, grabs hold of him, Mary's grip is her way of saying, Jesus, I can't lose you again. Jesus, never leave my side. And Jesus says to her, Mary, you must let go of me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, Mary, you've got to let go of me. I can't be here with you forever. Sooner or later, you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to eat. You're going to have to sleep. But if you'll let go and let me ascend to the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit, and through Him I will be with you always. So Mary obeys. She lets go, and she runs back into the town to find the disciples. She has quite the announcement to share with them. That's the first appearance. Here's the second. Now Jesus and the disciples... Picking up in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So, fast forward a bit. It's the evening of the same day, Easter Eve. Mary has gone and found the disciples and she's told them, I've seen the Lord. Not, I've found the Lord, found His body. No, no, I've seen the Lord alive. And John doesn't tell us what the disciples thought of Mary's announcement yet, but they're all gathered together on that evening. And we do know that they're afraid. We know they're afraid because they're gathered at night. It's a secret gathering, and they are behind locked doors. And again, somehow... From somewhere, Jesus, the risen Jesus, appears to them. It seems that he moves through the walls, moves through the locked doors, and has suddenly appeared in the room with them. in the same way, in the same way that he rose through the grave clothes in the tomb that morning. Now Jesus moves through the walls, and there he is in their midst. So it seems, get this, it seems that Jesus, in his resurrection body, he is both physical and spiritual or immaterial. Jesus is like vision. You know, Wanda and Vision in the MCU? Jesus is just as physical, as solid, as you and me. And yet, he can move through walls. He can move through the grave clothes. This is indeed a whole new category of existence. Jesus shows up there in the midst of the disciples and he says, Peace be with you. Then he says, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And look at what he does next here. Verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now the disciples don't actually receive the Holy Spirit at this very moment. That is, they're not yet indwelt by the Spirit. That doesn't happen until Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, after Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father. So why does Jesus say this? What is he up to here? Why does he say received the Holy Spirit. Why does he breathe on them? That's strange. That's weird, right? Not if we know the whole biblical story. In the very beginning of the biblical story, in Genesis chapter 2, God created man, formed the man from the dust of the earth, and then he breathed. He breathed on the man, and the man became a living man. Creature. In the very beginning of the biblical story, it is the breath of God that creates man. Here, in the midst of His disciples in John 20, Jesus breathes It's a symbolic gesture. He wants us to see that He is the beginning of a new humanity. A new creation. A new way of being human. A new category of existence. Friends, if you're a believer, yes, you have eternal life. Yes, Jesus has changed your future. But Jesus also changes your present. This whole new category of existence, it begins right now. You don't yet have your resurrection body like Jesus' resurrection body. One day you will have it. But this day you have a whole new way of life. Jesus has breathed on us, sent His Holy Spirit to live within us, empowering us to live for Him. If you were here last week, we talked about one of the things this means is that we are able to love with God's own love. Jesus transforms all of our loves, all of our relationships. This whole new way of life, it begins now and it extends forever. Now, I told you at the outset that there's something in John 20 for all of us, whether you consider yourself to be a skeptic or a believer, someone who's curious or someone who is convinced. It's the third and final appearance of the chapter that speaks most powerfully to the skeptic. Look at it as we get ready to wrap up. Jesus and Thomas, picking up the story in verse 24. On that night, when Jesus appears in the room with his disciples, one of them is absent. It's Thomas. And because Thomas was not there, he doubts the whole story. Verse 24, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see... Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. We don't know why Thomas was absent that night. John never tells us. Maybe he had an important business meeting. Maybe a little league game went into extra innings. Who knows? But we know this. Thomas wasn't there. So the disciples report to him what they saw. We have seen the Lord. Just like Mary said before, not we found the Lord, found his body. We have seen the Lord, seen him alive. And Thomas says, I don't believe it. I need to see it for myself. Now think of the ways the disciples could have responded to Thomas here. They could have responded any number of ways. They could have been very defensive. Thomas, what do you mean you don't believe us? We have known each other for years. We have journeyed together following Jesus for years. You know us. They could have just canceled Thomas right here. Just cancel culture. Get him out. Ostracize him. Kick him out of the group. Certainly how we treat each other in society today. But Jesus... He brings us a whole new way of being human, remember? A whole new category of existence. It's the way of the truth, for sure. We have seen the Lord, but it's also the way of patience and gentleness. The disciples don't ostracize the doubter. For the next week, Thomas continues to be a part of their group. He belongs to a community of believers... For the next week, Thomas, the doubter, is there with these men who are full of resurrection hope. One week later, they're gathered together again. This time, Thomas is present. He's learned his lesson. No little league game tonight. He's in the room. And again, somehow, from somewhere, Jesus comes through those walls... Through the locked door, again, he appears right there in the middle of the disciples. He looks at Thomas. Thomas looks at him. Thomas says nothing, Jesus knows. Jesus knows exactly what Thomas said a week prior. Jesus knows all about Thomas's doubt. And Jesus cares too much about Thomas to leave him in his doubt. So Jesus goes to the doubter and he says, Thomas, here I am. See my hands and my feet, the scars of the crucifixion. Touch them. Thomas, do not disbelieve. Believe. And Thomas, in that moment, his skepticism, his pessimistic unbelief is transformed into joyful faith. My Lord and my God, he says. And then Jesus utters the final words of the narrative in John 20. Blessed are those who believe even when they have not seen. Even when they have not seen. The narrative closes, and in a way, this is right where it opens up. It draws us into it. With this proposition, Jesus is drawing you and me into the story. See, in these appearances, we've seen the risen Jesus show up to others to Mary. And the disciples, and now Thomas, and we've seen them all respond with faith, with belief. Now Jesus says to us, Will you believe? John closes chapter 20 of his gospel this way. He says to us, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Will you believe in the living, breathing Jesus? See, the living Jesus, He conquered death, and that means that all of us who believe in Him, we will go through death to resurrection, just as Jesus did. We will one day receive resurrection bodies just like Jesus. And we will spend eternity in the new creation that Jesus will bring on the day of His return. A creation with no more pain, no more sickness and suffering, evil eradicated, death extinct. The living Jesus has conquered death for us. But understand, friends, the living, breathing Jesus, that means that this whole new category of existence, this new way of being human, it begins now. Jesus is not someone you need merely on your deathbed. Jesus is someone you need now because He's the only one with the power to transform your life. To transform your loves, your relationships, everything about you. Jesus gives us the gift of his spirit who lives within us, transforming us. This is the living, breathing Jesus. Will you believe in him? And continue to believe in him. Serving him, following him, wherever he might lead you you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified in our place for our sins and then he was raised from the dead thereby demonstrating that He is God in the flesh, the Lord of all creation, and all who believe in Him will have life. A new way of life that begins right now and extends forever. God, we thank You for this good news. It is life-changing. The message of Easter is that Jesus changes everything. This is the truth we celebrate today. God, I pray that you're working in hearts this morning, drawing people to yourself, encouraging and comforting believers. Help each one of us to live with this resurrection, new creation power that Jesus and Jesus alone provides. In his name we pray. Amen. We're going to transition into a time of communion so you can go ahead and grab those communion elements that you got on your way in. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, we invite you to celebrate communion with us today. If you are not yet a believer, you're still a little skeptical about all this Christianity stuff, I want you to know that we are glad you're here today and I hope you will continue coming and, and worshiping with us and we invite you to just observe this part of the service It's a time for us to identify as believers, to remember all that Jesus has done for us, to receive the spiritual nourishment we need to live for Him in the present, and also to rejoice as we look to the future because Jesus has promised us that He will one day return. We will one day receive those resurrection bodies and live forever in the new creation so believers let's celebrate together on the night our Lord Jesus was betrayed after giving thanks he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup We proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. Believers, Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Celebrate.